Welcome to Gracious Words. Gracious Words is taken from the weekly women's Bible study taught by Cheryl Broderson at Calvary Chapel, Costa Mesa, California. We behold your glory, God, in the face of Christ. It shows us who you are, revealing who you are. On today's program, we'll see how Abraham trusted in the promises of God. Abraham believed that God would keep his promise and provide a wife for Isaac to continue his lineage. is part one of Cheryl's message titled, The Good Will of God. We have a missionary, his name is John Bonner, and he serves in Peru. And he wrote a book that I highly recommend, even though I haven't read it, I'm going on Brian's recommendation. I have a copy though, does that make a difference? Called The Myth of Coincidence. And in it, he just traces his life and God's faithfulness to him. He just thought he was you know, doing this thing on his own and found out God was in all the details. The longer you walk with the Lord, the more you realize that life is not a series of random acts. That life with Jesus is ordered and ordained. That he takes the past and he makes it purposeful. Even the bad things, he makes them purposeful. Life patterns can be traced. Lord, you were in this, you were in that. You were working to get me to the place mentally, physically, spiritually where I am right now. And we find that these events of our life are predetermined, purposeful, and good. They are good. I think of so many different seeming coincidences in my life that were actually divine encounters. There's this flight attendant that personally I have had uh, serve me wherever seat, whether I'm in coach or um, once in premium economy, that was wonderful. She's, She's the flight attendant. And she's been my flight attendant at least five times. She's been Brian's flight attendant over um, eight times. And the first time she was Brian's flight attendant, he shared the whole gospel with her. And then he had her on the way back and she said, I was thinking about those words, those words you said, they won't get out of my mind. So he shared with her again. The third time that she was the flight attendant, I was there. So she had Brian draw her a map to Calvary Chapel because she has stopovers. She's actually from Germany. But she said, I'm going to go to your church. And then the fourth time, she's like, oh, you caught me. I haven't been to the church yet. And every time we see her, she's like, not you. I mean, she's almost shaking. She just knows it's God. A couple of those times, she's like, I'm not even supposed to be on this flight. I picked it up for a friend. I didn't know you were going to be here. Like, she's shaking. It's so fun. Another time, I remember that I had a craving that turned out to be divine. It was a craving for a place called TK Maxx, not to be confused with TJ Maxx, which is American. TK Maxx is British, same store, but British. And 
we needed a little carry-on. So I talked Ryan into getting it or looking at TK Maxx. I, I love that place. In fact, people who know me, they give me gift certificates to that place. They know that. In fact, I have random divine appointments in that place. It's, it's, it's God-ordained, I'm just saying. But we were there and I said to Brian, let's go to TK Maxx. Well, he was doing it out of sheer love because as much as I love that place, he does not. And so he's going with me and he's, he's being so nice. So you just know it's God. And the backstory to all of this is he was trying to get in touch with this musician. He had tried everything because he really felt like God wanted him to sing and, and play at Creation Fest. But all the doors had been closed. Nothing had opened up. So here we were, and Brian said, okay, Cheryl, where is TK Maxx? And I said, oh, I remember I saw it on our walk today. I just don't remember, but I kind of remember that it's like somewhere where we already walked. And he's like, great. So then I'm you know, doing my GPS and I've got it. But you know, I never can tell which way the arrow is trying to tell me. I have to walk in the wrong direction and go, oh no, this one's not it. Maybe now we got it. You know, I have to do that constantly. So Brian was showing lots and lots of patience. So we were walking in a place called Leicester Square, which is usually just, as they call it, chock-a-block with people, just full of people. And we're ready to cross the street and miracle of all miracles. No one's around us. It's just Brian and I. But standing straight across the street, leaving Leicester Square all by himself is this very musician that Brian wanted to meet. And he looks just um, disoriented. And as we're crossing, Brian goes up to him, puts out his hand and says, I've been looking for you and I've been praying that we would meet. He said, it's gotta be God because I'm not supposed to be here. I'm lost. I was supposed to meet a friend. He's English too, which is, you know, he's lost in London. That happens to the English and everyone else. So anyway, he goes, I know this is God. So he and Brian had this 30 minute meeting at the corner going into Leicester Square. And yes, he did play Creation Fest. It was just so God ordained. Then I remember another time in England that tends to be where my divine appointments happen, going or there. I was in England and I was driving, okay? Driving in England on the wrong side of the road, which is the way they all do too. So I'm driving and I'm, I'm, I'm disoriented. And I, we're supposed to stay at a bed and breakfast place in Cambridge. I've been in Cambridge, I've been in Cambridge twice before. And either Brian had been driving or we were on a bus. Once I'd driven in, but a different way. And I really didn't know my way around. And it was nighttime, so it's hard to see. And this was before GPS. This was the time that was, you had maps. They're, they're paper. <laughs> you have to get a magnifying glass so you can see the street names. And these maps in England were famous. They were called A to Zs. And so my friend is sitting in the front seat and she's trying to see in the dark where we are. And, you know, she's got the little light up above. And I came into Cambridge the wrong way. And I said, I have no idea where I am. It's raining hard. And I just pulled into this random driveway to do a U-turn or as they call it, a reverse turn. And as I pulled in, the women in the back seat are like, we're here, we're here. And I'm thinking they need to be quiet so I can concentrate. But they can't stop saying, we're here, we're here. Randomly, I had pulled into our bed and breakfast place. 
there's the sign, but I can't see the sign because I'm just like, we gotta find this place. I don't know who I am or what my name is and I'm in England. And we were at the very place that we were supposed to stay. It's just these random acts that you know it is the Lord. When we entrust our lives to the Lord, he directs our steps. In Psalm 37, five, it says, commit your way to the Lord, trust also in him and he shall bring it to pass. When we entrust ourselves and our ways and our lives, we find that God will prepare the people that we are going to be meeting or interacting with. God will enrich others through us. God will give us a testimony. God will reveal his faithfulness to us and we will become participants in God's great work. Now, I know there are some who are afraid to fully trust their lives to and invest in the will of God. And you know why I think that is? Since the very beginning of time, Satan has been doing his best to convince people that the will of God is not good. I remember this struggle when I was a teenager. Really? God, I think I have a better plan for my life than you do. I don't know if, if you have the best will. This is exactly what happened in the Garden of Eden. Satan sought to persuade Eve that God's will was dysfunctional. In other words, it wouldn't work. That it was deficient, that it would leave her unfulfilled. That it was dismal without any hope or high points or fun, that it was desensitized, that God didn't really care about her feelings, her wants, or her desires. And finally, that it was dull. It was boring without any excitement, just a list of rules. But nothing, nothing could be further from the truth. Jesus promised that in him was life and that more abundantly, John 10, 10. And when Jesus talks about abundant life, he's not simply speaking of a quantity of days, but he's speaking of the highest quality of days. The truth about God's will is that it's good. It's the best Thing that could happen to us. According to Psalm 1830, the will of God is perfect. According to Psalm 6511, it drips with abundance. It has the highest fulfillment. According to Romans 1513, it leads and always leads to hope. And according to Philippians 419, it's provisional. It will always meet our needs. This morning in my personal devotions, I was reading 1 Kings 17 where the ravens came and fed Elijah. When Elijah followed the instructions of the Lord, even though there was no water in Israel, even though people were struggling with food, the ravens came and fed Elijah. And I was wondering if Jesus was drawing our attention to that story when he said in Luke 12, 24, look at the ravens. Look at the ravens. Look how they don't build barns. They don't store. In fact, they're so irresponsible and they're a little bit obnoxious, aren't they? You know, you always feel like ravens are yelling at you. You're like ugly people. What should we do to them? But Jesus said, look at them. God cares for them. 
In the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus said that God cares about sparrows and birds and lilies of the field. And in Matthew 6, verse 8 and verse 32, twice Jesus tells us that our Father in heaven knows even before we ask what we have need of and is already waiting to give us those desires, those needs. God's will is exciting. I don't think the disciples ever woke up and went, oh, another day with Jesus. Great. What's he going to do? Heal the blind? You know, I don't think it was boring. You know, I think it was so like, oh, where's he going? What's he going to do now? You never knew. I mean, they didn't expect him to walk on water. They didn't expect him to stop the storm. They didn't expect him to heal the lame or to gather the children up on his lap or to feed the multitudes. Every day with Jesus brought adventure, excitement, fulfillment, joy, testimony. It was full of the unexpected and life today with Jesus. Following the will of God is still full of the exciting the adventure, and the unexpected. 1 Corinthians 2.9 says, Eye has not seen, ear has not heard, nor has it entered into the heart of man the things that God has planned for those who love him. You're almost like of the Christian life. Christian life, you ain't seen nothing yet. That should be our slogan. But our misguided thinking added to the constant slanderous whisper of Satan makes us think that we can choose better for ourselves. We think we can choose better. What will work? Lord, I want to stay in this because I do this the best. I only want to make enchiladas. That's what I do the best. Or we think we know what will and won't work. Lord, that's not going to work out. I've, I've been down that road before. I've, I fished in the Galilee before. I caught nothing. Don't ask me to go back out. Or we know best what will fulfill us and what will bless us. Do you remember when you were a little kid and your parents were trying to talk you into eating something and you were just like, no, not even, I'm not, I'm not doing it. I think I told you this story before and I'll keep it short, but trying to talk my grandson eating, to eating taking a bite of chocolate ice cream. And he was like so resistant, like it's, it's the color of dirt, it's cold, why would I want that? And he was just like, mm, mm, mm. but he started to cry. So I just stuck the spoonful in his mouth when he went, ah. in it went. And he went, oh, huh? he ate almost a pint. You know, I think we're sometimes like that with the will of God. We're like, no, I don't want it. It's not what I want. And no. And it goes in, we're like, well, it's, it's not so bad. Maybe, maybe I'll do that after all. We are so limited. We know very little about the past. We know nothing about the future. And we don't even know ourselves. And I think that's proven when you turn to your friend and say, does that sound like me? In fact, they said that people don't like the sound of their own voice. Whenever you hear it, you're like, does that really, is that what I sound like? Is that funny? We don't even know what we sound like. My ears make me sound better than I do. Genesis 24 is a testimony to the glory of when we let God 
choose his will for us. Here's a story rich in romance, adventure, suspense, joy, riches, and success. It's the ultimate Cinderella story. Camel girl goes to riches. Abraham is old, really old, somewhere around 140 or so. Isn't that funny? It's like, I'm at this age now where I'm always checking Brian if he's not snoring, is he breathing? You know, at first you're annoyed and then you're like, wait, this proves he's alive. This is good. This is really good. Because it seems like every day it's like, okay, I'm still alive. So I'm here to serve the Lord. That's where I'm at right now. He doesn't think he has much time on earth, though he will have 35 more years. Every day is a grace. But all of the promises of God to him revolve around this unmarried son, Isaac. Now, Isaac is going to be, as Abraham, the father of many nations. From him, the Messiah will come. So how is this possible that descendants as many as the stars of the sky or grains of sand are going to come from this unmarried son? Abraham's getting older. He wants to see Isaac married and grandchildren before he passes on. God so far has kept every word he spoke to Abraham. Verse 1 of chapter 24 tells us that God blessed Abraham in all things. So, so far, God is five for five. And Abraham's like, God's not going to stop now. So Abraham calls for his oldest servant, probably an old man himself, because he's the oldest one in Abraham's house. The servant had served and been with Abraham for a long, long time. And he ruled over all of Abraham's house and everything Abraham owned, which meant that this servant was proven proven to be trustworthy, proven to be faithful. And not only that, but he knew his master, having companion and been with him for such a long time. He knew what his master would like. He knew what his master loved. He's obedient. He's been entrusted with much and he's been faithful with that. So Abraham charges him And he says, put your hand under my thigh. Now that sounds very strange to us. We don't do that today. We shake hands, we sign papers. But in those days, it was that, the old hand under the thigh maneuver. (laughs) And what it meant was that you're under an obligation to me, that I have authority over what you're going to do. I'm kind of glad that practice has been lost. Just saying. But he charges him by God, the creator, the sovereign over heaven and earth, the God who orders all of life on earth, the God who was aware of all of his creation. He charges him with going to Mesopotamia to his kindred to find a wife for Isaac. He is not to seek a wife among the Canaanites. It's possible that being Abraham's oldest servant, he knew the area that Abraham had come from. And he even knew the family that was in Mesopotamia. The servant is a bit overwhelmed by this obligation. Can you imagine? It's a long trip 
520 miles and about a 21-day journey by camel. We were talking in the leaders class that if GPSs had like, you know how it has walk, the little person walking, has the car, has the train, but what if it had one that camel, you know, you, and how many by camel, you know? I know it's gonna take you know this long if I walk it, this long if I take the car, but by camel, and it would come up 21 days. So it's a 21-day camel journey. But the servant is concerned. What if he can't find a girl, the girl? Or what if he finds the girl, but she's unwilling to come? I mean, this is quite an endeavor. Not only is it a long trip, but he's got to find a girl, the right girl, who is willing to leave family and home and everything to marry a man she's never seen and live in a land that she has never been to before. But Abraham is absolutely confident that God will lead his servant. Why? Because according to verse seven, Abraham bases this confidence that it's the same God who called him out of Mesopotamia. It's the same God who spoke to Abraham and promised Abraham much. It's the same God who has fulfilled all his word to Abraham. God is not going to stop blessing after he's fulfilled all these promises. Now, in the Bible, when it comes to the prophets, you have something that's near and far. And maybe, you know, you've read Isaiah, like Isaiah chapter seven, and it talks about Ahaz and how Ahaz is going to win the battle. The Assyrians are not going to attack. And then it goes into this strange uh, prophecy about a virgin will... um, bring forth a son and you shall call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. And you're like, how did they pull that one out of the others? Well, what would happen is prophets would give prophecies that were near fulfilled. And so you could trust the way, the ones that would be further away. And the credibility for the distant prophecy that would come true would be the one that had already been fulfilled or the the near that would guarantee the far. God is not going to stop his goodness. Dave and Nancy Sylvester, who live in York, England, um, by a miracle, he was walking the walls of the city. They didn't have a church, but he felt like the Lord was telling him, start a church, plant a church in York, England. And he came to the gatehouse in England and he saw that there was some construction. So he goes in and he said, what's going on? And they said, oh, well, we're fixing it up. The council wants to rent it out. And he said, well, how much? They said, go to the council office. Well, Dave has no money at all, but he goes to the council office and he says, "Um, I'm interested in renting it. How much? And they said, 2,000 pounds. And he said, oh, I can't afford it. And they said, a year. For the full year, only 2,000 pounds. He said, well, well, I want to put my name on the list of people who want it. So he put his name on the list, just trusting that the Lord would provide 2,000 pounds. I mean, that's a basic rent of but it's for the full year. So he puts his name on the list. Um, in the meantime, this church in America gives him 2,000 pounds, said the Lord just put it on our heart. So he's got 2,000 pounds, finds out he's the only person who put his name on the list. It goes to him. They, they want to start, but 
for the first time ever, a truck hits, it's, it's a gate that goes in and out of York, the main entrance in and out of York, hits one of the pillars. So they can't go in it because they have to make it stronger, but the newspapers come out. So now Dave's got free advertisement about his church. They interview him. What are you doing? What's going on? Well, everyone's invited in York to come to church because this is what we believe. And they write it all down. So now he's got this church, he's got this building, but they need to move to York. Abraham commissioned his servant to find a wife for Isaac, trusting that God would lead and guide him. Psalm 37.5 says, commit your way to the Lord. Trust also in him and he shall bring it to pass. Abraham's servant set off armed with faith, fully trusting God. When we entrust our ways and our lives to God, he will prepare the situations and people that we are going to encounter and meet. As God uses us in his work, we'll become a living testimony of his faithfulness for all to see and witness that God is real and true to his word. We hope you have been blessed by today's Bible study. For more information about the Gracious Words radio program and the teaching ministry of Cheryl Broderson, please visit our website at graciouswords.com. Coming up next time on the Gracious Words program, we'll continue our look at the goodness of God's will as we continue our series, Our Great Creator, in the book of Genesis with Cheryl Broderson. We do hope you make plans to join us. Again, for more information, please visit our website at graciouswords.com. This program is sponsored by Calvary Chapel, Costa Mesa, California.